Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look at the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 464. You know, Royal Caribbean caters to a lot of special needs, but what is it like going on a Royal Caribbean cruise if you're blind? This week, we have a listener joining me. Talk about the experience. Here we go. Going on a Royal Caribbean cruise is the type of vacation that everyone can enjoy, and some people have special challenges when it comes to going on a cruise. And, you know, of all of them, there's many types. Um, this week, I wanted to focus on one of our listeners who came on here to talk about his experience going on Royal Caribbean cruises. AJ is joining us on the podcast, and AJ and his wife are blind and recently went on a Quantum of the Seas cruise to Alaska. AJ, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Welcome for having me, Matt. It's good to be with you tonight, this evening. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. And, you know, I, I don't pretend to uh, to know what your experience is like at all, but talk to us about you know, how often have you cruised? What's your cruise experience like leading up to your Quantum of the Seas cruise? This would have been our, about our sixth cruise, our very first run on Royal. We've been on some other cruise lines, and we had a friend who is definitely loyal to Royal, and she uh, found a good offer and said, I'm going to be on the Quantum of the Seas on this June 27th, so why don't you guys try to come on board with us? and I kind of past cruises played in the casino and uh, used a website called You Are Comped, and they were able to get me a comped balcony cabin on the Quantum of the Seas. Wow, interesting. Now, AJ, when you sent me an email about your cruise uh, for to, to go to Alaska, you mentioned that, and I'm quoting you directly now in your email. I believe Royal has done the best job out of all the cruise lines that we've been on with people been on with people disabilities. So. Can you talk to me a little more about why you you feel that way? Well, ever since I've been cruising, I fill out the special needs form that each cruise line has. They documented it as soon as we came to do the check-in process. They saw on their end that my wife and I were blind and I had special dietary restrictions because I'm allergic to seafood. Okay. And immediately... So, oh, no, no, we see you guys are disabled. Come over here. We're going to put you in front of this line. It kind of was the line for the sweet guest and just brought us on board. And our friend took us to guest services. And immediately they helped us do all of our check-in stuff for the uh, North Star, for the uh, Star Water Show in Lounge 270. Told us the lady who's going to give us an onboard em- embarkation day tour will call us when she gets back because she's on shore leave, but she will call us. And then they took us right over to the uh, specialty dining person because we had the ultimate dining package. And we happened to actually meet the uh, maitre d' of of the uh, specialty dining. Wow. And he said, yeah, he told us, Marco said, you guys need anything. You ask for me at any of the specialty restaurants, I'll make sure you guys will be taken care of. That's fantastic. Let's take a step back for a second because you mentioned the, the Royal Caribbean Special Needs Forum, which is a fabulous resource for folks of, I mean, a variety of special needs. Uh, so there's a number of them that are there. If you just Google, and I'll put a link in the show notes to it, but just Google Royal Caribbean Special Needs Forum. It always comes up at the top of the results for me. Uh, talk to us about the Special Needs Forum and 
Uh, did you, was there something there for being blind? Was it something for your food allergies? Both. Talk to me about that experience. Both. Both. It, it, you can fill it out online or you can call guest services, the reservations number, and they'll transfer you to the special needs department that Royal Caribbean has and fill it out and put it, attach it to your reservation. Great. It's wonderful. It's, it's a it's a great resource for anybody who might have CPAP machines. It's the most common one, actually. I feel like food allergies. Um, obviously, you know, uh, there's a wide variety of them. Um, so definitely something to, to keep in mind. And th- I love the fact that they had that kind of communication with you and that additional assistance. Uh, you know, w- with with you and your wife going on board the ship. And you know, um, I got to ask AJ, are you are you completely blind or partially blind? My wife's totally blind, and I'm considered to be totally blind, but I'm able to see a little bit out of, out of one eye. Okay. So you've been on cruises before. Talk to me about why, what draws you to a cruise? I grew up in western New York around the Finger Lakes. Okay. So I, I'm used to the water, hearing the waves, mm. being on personal boats. And so when we tried a land vacation of our two young children, I looked at my wife. I said, if we can do this, mm-hmm. we can handle a cruise. Because on a cruise ship, you can only go so far front, forward, so far to the back, and so far to the right, and so far to the left. Right. Eventually, you'll get where you need to be going. <laughs> there you go. And and it's it sounds like, based on the fact that you've cruised with other lines, and I've tried at Royal Caribbean, that you guys are, are cruise people. Yes. That's That's great. I love it. So, uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned also was that, you know, people oftentimes will email into the podcast and talk about different issues and disabilities and food allergies on here. So if someone is listening to this and they're hesitant, AJ, because they've got a disability of, of some kind and they're and they're concerned about, quite frankly, the experience on board, what would you tell those people? Fill out the form, let Royal Caribbean know this way they can let the crew on board know and this way they can accommodate you. Because with my seafood allergy, we did the chef's table twice. Hmm. But since Marco saw on on my reservation that I had food allergy, he specifically went to the chef who was preparing chef's table and made sure that all of the food that I could have the same experience, just of different parts of the meal with non-seafood and no fish. That's wonderful. I know the regarding food allergies, Royal Caribbean really takes it seriously. Every meal I sit down at, whether it is the main dining room, whether it is chops, whether it is at Loco Fresh. I mean, it, well, I don't really sit down for a meal at a Loco Fresh. I just take it. But but you get the idea is that every single meal I go to, the first question out of the waiter's mouth is, you know, welcome. And then the next thing is, does anybody have an allergy? And uh, it, it's wonderful that they take it so seriously because obviously it can be a very, very dangerous thing more so than you know, other folks. So, um, love hearing that. And the fact that they're taking good care of you, uh, really me- makes a difference. I, I, I think so. Um, that, and it, it helps them prepare too. So if they know there's so many people on board that are gluten allergens or something, they can actually order the necessary things to sure. have those gluten free foods. Absolutely. And that's what people don't realize is they don't, tell the crew or the cruise line that they have these allergens and then when they get on board and then they have very few choices they kind of get upset with the cruise ship or the cruise line 
But if they know, they're going to do everything they can to take care of you. Absolutely. Well said. With the um, with, with the dining experience, did you eat at any specialty restaurants or did you stay mostly at like the main dining room and the and Windjammer? Or what was your experience like on, on the uh, Quantum? All, all of it. We did the uh, Jamie's Italian. We did Chops. We did the Chef's Table. We did Wonderland. We did the Windjammer for breakfast and lunch some some days and Good. other days we did the main dining room for breakfast so did uh how was how would you rate the experience especially with the food allergies it, it was excellent because they were right on top of it marco every night he knew what restaurant we were eating at Good. so he went to the chefs and communicated that information to them to make sure they were aware of that and had other stuff prepared that I could choose from. That's wonderful. I love hearing that. That's great. Um, with the, you, you felt a special needs form before the cruise. And then uh, you mentioned that you got some, they got in contact with you leading up to the sailing. Did you do any of the process, the pre-cruise check-in process via the app or the website for that yeah. matter? I did it all online with some of the stuff that I couldn't do. My son who can see a little bit, helped me do, Oh, good. that stuff. But, I was, was going to yeah, ask, I mean, does the, um, are there screen reader apps that work? Does the Royal Caribbean app work well with screen readers or anything like that? It's like all of the cruise lines. It's hit or miss. Sure. Some things it's good at, other things it gets stuck in. But it's better to have a little bit of something than being totally not knowing anything. Sure, sure. So you were able to at least get the basics and, and, and thankfully because of your son as well, it made it the process a little bit easier. Yeah. If you had any recommendations for somebody else who has um, sight problems or is blind like yourself, what would they be? What would you recommend? Fill out the special needs form. Mm -hmm. Really, you know, communicate your needs to Royal Caribbean before you go. And then when you get on board, I know for our sailing, they had um, a young lady named Elena who... She had a long title, though, but she basically worked right under the cruise director. But she gave us her onboard phone extension and asked us to call her if we needed any assistance to get around the ship to just give her a call. And she would be there to help us or she would get someone to help us. Wonderful. You know, AJ, of course, Alaska is you know a destination. It's not necessarily like the Caribbean in the sense that you know it's more just like going on a cruise for the sake of going on a cruise. I mean, Alaska is a beautiful place to visit, and there's so many cool things to do. What did you guys do while you were in Alaska on your shore excursions? Well, we were on the very first week of the quantum breaking down. Oh no! So you know, we of course with the breakdownage and a medical emergency, y'all happening in a short period of time we missed icy straight point mm. and sure. then it was the first week that the quantum actually went to skagway after the rock slide <laughs> so they uh partially tied the ship down and then did tendering with the lifeboats for people to get off in skagway but our sighted friend got us some tickets to take the skagway ferry to haynes and we rented a car in haynes and went up to an animal reserve who he's been on the Disney channel and has worked with Dr. Oakley and hmm. gave us a pretty much as best as he could hands-on experience with the animals while keeping us safe. Wonderful. So this is something you did on your own. 
Yeah. Fantastic. Um, did you book any any? I know your itinerary was kind of messed up here a little bit. Were you able in in other ports? Did you book anything through Royal Caribbean? Any of the shore excursions? No, uh, majority of them were already sold out, and so we just with like Skagway, we did it on our own. Juno, we did it on our own. Did some shopping. Went to the Red Dog Saloon, and cool. we kind of sometimes with our cider friend who's very loyal to Royal, <laughs> almost pinnacle. Awesome. Um, we went and rented a a cab, a local cab, for a few hours, and they drove around Juno to give us the history of Juno and explore the city and actually told us about salmon berries and stopped on the side of the road for us to actually try some salmon berries. Cool. That, that's interesting. I, and I love that. Um, when, when planning it, I know a lot of the excursions were booked. I was just curious, you know, how much uh, options you had booking through Royal Caribbean or going on your own, certainly going on your own sounds like it's something that you've, that worked out quite well for you. Is that usually what you do on the other cruises you've been on where you kind of, do your own tours as opposed to going through the cruise line? We try to look at what the cruise line has and see if it's something we want to do mm-hmm. and how accessible it is. And pre-COVID, if they had staff available, they would have a staff member go with us. Now in the COVID era with the restrictions of crew being allowed to get on or off, it was just was hit and miss. So. We did, you know, what we thought would be the best experience for us. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it sounds like your approach is pretty much like everyone else's approach when it comes to shore excursions, which is just that, you know, I tell people all the time is look at what Royal Caribbean offers, look what you can do on your own and pick what works for you best, right? Figure out what's a good fit for you. And um, I love hearing the fact that you're able to make it all work there. What was your, uh, have you done Alaska before? Or was it your first time in Alaska? Very first time to Alaska, very first time on Royal. What did you think of Alaska? Oh, it was beautiful. We're already working on trying to go again. We just <laughs> want to work it out where we can actually bring our two two young children. But we're just waiting for the protocols to change since medically they're not able to have the vaccine. So Got it. That makes sense. I mean, Alaska is amazing. I mean, I, 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 and you understand it now. Like when people say, you know, oh, I tell people all the time. People told me this too. You know, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's this incredible place. You're going to love it. And it's like, yeah, 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 okay. But until you actually experience it yourself, it's just hard to, you know, it, it's hard to convey, right? But it's it, it's an incredible experience. It's the mountains, it's the glaciers, it's the waterfalls off of the glaciers and the mountains. Totally different than what you could experience in in the Caribbean or somewhere else. That's wonderful. That's great. Um, were there any challenge? Anything? If, if you were, if Royal Caribbean's top executives were sitting here with us, AJ. Is are there any improvements you think the cruise line could do to help support folks like yourself? They could improve the app to make it more accessible with the voiceover, which we have the iPhone products. Yep. But that's an IT issue. Um, there's some spots on the ship that my wife noticed that they were lacking Braille, that she did mention to guest services and some of the other onboard managers that she thought would be more helpful for people who are totally blind that reads Braille. Hmm. That's great. Well, I, and that that's good feedback. And I hope that somebody at Royal hears that. I certainly hope that, um, you know, in the post-cruise survey, you also let them know about that. That's always a good way to let, you know, give them honestly the best feedback they can get um, in terms of actionable feedback, I should say. So wonderful stuff there. 
And I guess the ultimate question now for you, AJ, you tried Royal Caribbean. You didn't mention that Royal did the best of all the cruise lines that you've sailed on in terms of folks with disabilities. So are you looking, have you already booked another, are you basically going back with Royal Caribbean? That's, that's what I'm trying to get at here. On your favorite ship in April of next year, so my son and daughter can experience it. Wonderful, wonderful. On the Harmony. On the Harmony, nice. I love Harmony of the Seas. The Oasis class in general is just amazing, and uh, I hope your kids enjoy it just as much as I do. So, AJ, thank you so much for for sharing this, and and uh, it, it's you know, like I said, there's not there's no way I could properly answer any kind of questions related to this. Just something you have to experience yourself. So. It's really good feedback, and I think, and I hope that AJ it helps some other people as well who may be wondering about certain things. And if nothing else, they're just aware of that special needs form. Uh, it, it's such a important and easy to fill out document um, on before your cruise. So, literally, even if you don't think it, even if you don't think it matters to them, just let them know. So yep. if there is an issue, they can already be prepared for it. Because, like you said, CPAP food allergies, hard of hearing, just let them know so everyone could be on the same page to make sure your vacation is the best experience you can have. All right, time to answer some listener emails. This is part of the episode where I answer emails that you have sent in about Royal Caribbean. If you want to send me your email, you can do so by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. First email is from Jonah. Hey, Matt. Thank you so much for your effort in helping everyone have the best cruise. I'm going on a cruise for Thanksgiving this year, and I'm staying in Sky Class on the lure of the season at Crown Loft. I purchased a limited dining package for everyone in my party, four people, and I'm curious, how do I reserve specialty restaurants and main dining room? Because I know I have priority dining reservations as a Sky Class guest, but does that mean I still have to go to the concierge to reserve, or can I do it online? Jenna, so when you have a dining package, you must wait to get on board the ship to make reservations. The good news for you is, in my experience anyway, that when about a week before your cruise, you'll get an email from the suite concierge welcoming you on board, giving you a whole rundown of things. And usually, Jonah, if you email that concierge at that time and say, "Hey, I want to, you know, um, you know, make reservations," they'll allow you to do it uh, for you. So they'll do it. They'll give you a heads up on, and you'll be able to um, be able to get reservations without having to wait to do that on board the cruise, which is a nice benefit of the concierge. So when you get that email, email them back and say, okay, you know, this day, this restaurant, this time, this many people, and they should probably be able to help you out there, Jenna. In terms of the main dining room, I mean, you either have a reservation already because you have traditional dining, or if you're doing my time, you can make my time reservations ahead of time. If you have a limited dining package, I'm not sure you will really be in the main dining room because you could eat at a special restaurant every night of the cruise. So I'm not sure why you'd go to the dining room, but if you wanted to, you would fall back on on that stuff. So, Jonah, thank you for the email. Our next email is from Peter. Hey, Matt, I've been reading and hearing your account about having COVID on a cruise ship, and I've heard stories from others as well. What I haven't heard much is about the pre-cruise testing and the surprise positive cases that arise. Obviously, those people don't board their sailing and can rebook, but what other impact is this having? At what rate are people not boarding due to 11th hour positive test result? How much potential exposure is being mitigated through this testing? Perhaps it's unknowable, but I started to wonder as I'm counting down the hours so I'll take my test for my sailing on Symphony of the Seas. You know, Peter, it's a really good question, and this is something that um, I, I always think about as well when it comes to, you know, the, the testing protocols. Um, I, I will say this. Number one, answer your question. No, I have no idea. No one knows the answer to your question. Um, that's not data Real Kermit provides out there. Anecdotally, it's definitely 
a, a fair amount of people. I mean, not like a hundred people, but you know, a dozen or so people, maybe more, maybe less per sailing. Usually what happens is uh, in previous sailings, I'll go down to guest relations, ask for a capacity number. You know, how many people are on board the ship. And I remember earlier on in the restart process, I would ask on like day one and then they go a little later and basically they, they might actually disclose, oh, we were supposed to have X, but it ended up being Y. And again, it's usually a dozen or so people. And again, it might not be that a dozen or so people are positive, but all it takes is one person in their party to be positive and they end up canceling the cruise. You know, this is kind of like, I, this is a, uh, kind of a catch 22 where I go back and forth mentally on this, right? On the plot, on the one hand, if you know you're sick, you shouldn't be going on vacation. This is true if you're going anywhere. I mean, if, if I got, you know, sick with a, a with some sort of a, you know, flu or something else that really hinders your ability. Like, I'm not talking about a cold. I'm talking about like, you know, oh, I feel awful. If we know we're sick, we're probably not going on a trip, right? I mean, why should I travel to be miserable somewhere? Not to mention the fact that if it's, you know, uh, something like even the flu, you know, that I could get my, my family sick. So even if I can power through it, if they get sick, it ends just being a miserable vacation all around. So on the one hand, if you know you're sick, you know, you shouldn't be going on vacation. And for some folks, you know, maybe that's a, a benefit to save them the trip down. On the other hand, of course, you know, we're, we're moving in, as a society into a place now where, you know, we've got, we're, we're living with the virus. It's not this, you know, oh my goodness, we need to stop what we're doing and, you know, lock everything down. We're past that point already. And certainly the protocols evolving from that standpoint are a part of that. So... I can see both sides of the coin on this one. The answer to your question is, anecdotally speaking, yes, there are definitely people who have not been on a cruise because uh, at that last test, they come back positive. I really don't believe that there's as much of an issue with the asymptomatic people. Certainly, if that is the case, then that obviously is the case. I think for most folks, and I'm basing this on my own experience. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a public health expert. I don't have any proven data on this. I'm just going off of basically Royal Caribbean blog readers. And... From everybody I've heard from, almost I I've, don't think I've ever seen a message or an email or somebody says, you know, a false positive, which is good to hear, that they, you know, tested positive, didn't go on the cruise, and then they ended up not, you know, not actually being positive. The good news is that has not occurred, at least not no one's reported it to me or I've read about it on the message boards or anything like that. Usually what happens is people test positive, and then a day or two later, they end up with the symptoms and whatnot, and then they're like, okay, glad I didn't go because I would have been sick and all that. So... You know, again, I, we're obviously moving past this point and the test results are going to, I mean, testing is eventually going to be going away, whether it happens sooner or later, we'll have to see on that. I mean, I know Royal Caribbean is already moving away from that with shorter sailings for vaccinated folks. They don't have to do a test. So, you know, we're gonna move past that point. And I, I think from a lot of, for a lot of folks, including myself, it's also a bit of a mental change. Like, you know, we have to look at it, a different outlook, if you will, as to how that all works. So, uh, Peter, you're not like off base with, with your thought process on that, but you know, it's also, I, I think, now we're going to transition a little bit in terms of the onus going back on the cruiser rather than the company instituting it. Next email is from John and Liz Fisher. Hi, Matt. First off, thanks for all you do. I've been a big fan of yours going all the way back to the days with Len and the gang. Miss you guys. My wife and I are avid Disney fans. I've taken a Disney cruise before, but have decided to take your advice and go on our second Royal Caribbean cruise to Mexico. We're scheduled to depart Los Angeles April 2023 for Mexico on Navigator of the Seas. We're seasoned cruisers, and we're doing all our planning and prep in advance. One thing to note, if you want to try to get an exemption from buying the drink package from other medical for other than medical reasons, for example, religious reasons, you still must purchase the non-alcoholic drink package for non-drinkers in your party. The only way around that requirement is for medical reasons, and it must be supported by a letter from a doctor. My question today centers around the key. 
Do you feel it's worth it for $27 to $29 per person per day price tag? I'm struggling with the decision and value your expert advice and opinion. I'm not afraid of spending money if there's value in it. Thanks to your podcast, YouTube, and everything else you do. Our countdown clock is running and we can't wait to sail again. John and Liz, great to connect with you over here. And the answer is no, I don't think the key is worth it. Uh, I'm a big, what's the opposite of being an advocate? I'm <laughs> I'm an unadvocate for the key. I just don't, I think it sounds better than it is. I think you do a lot of, achieve a lot of the same benefits on your own. And the bottom line is it's very front cruise heavy, meaning a lot of the benefits, the best benefits are on the first day of the cruise. And then as the cruise goes on, there's far less benefits to take advantage of. I think that certainly, you know, the early embarkation time, just you can get that on your own if you're proactive. And I think John and Liz, you know how to do that. You know, check in 45 days ahead of time. You'll get one of the earliest check-in times you can. You know, the uh, the, the the times for uh, the reserve times, rather, I should say, for some of the signature activities like water slides, they're always terrible times. Like either early in the morning, during port days, when you'd be off the ship anyway. I'm just not a big fan of it. And I think your money's better spent elsewhere. So my opinion is no, don't get it. I think you're better off without it. And uh, I've done some videos and articles on Royal Green blog and on our YouTube channel about why I don't like the key. And I provide more details as to why I think you can get around it. So hopefully you can check those out and they can help you out there. Next is an email from Kevin in Washington State. Thanks for everything you do. In a recent podcast, you talked about uh, a question about celebrity status match. You mentioned there was a one-time match. I did the status match a while back. I noticed as I progressed up the Royal Caribbean tiers, mostly thanks to double points, so did my match celebrity status. I don't know if it was a mistake, but I think they're more linked than you mentioned. You're correct though, your celebrity points only reflect activity directly with them. Their site clearly states my status is based on status of the Royal Caribbean, just one Royal Caribbean point away from Diamond Plus. Kevin, thanks for the email, I really appreciate that. Good to know about the status and that it moves up with you, which is great, so you don't have to worry about timing it or anything like that, so wonderful information. Next, we have an email from Linda. Matt, your non-biased, fact-based presentation of what happens on a Royal Green cruise when you test positive for COVID was over-the-top outstanding. There are a few questions Derek and I have that you answered, especially after watching 19 black SUVs arrive on debarkation morning to carry away the COVID-positive passengers after we enjoyed a nine-night cruise on Alert of the Seas last month. I was exposed to a COVID passenger at the hotel the morning we were going to get on board, always flying the day before, right? I was at the cook-to-order station at the Embassy Suites in Fort Lauderdale, and this woman, who has a loose-fitting paper mask on, proceeds to tell me how sad and disappointed she is that they have to drive six hours back home because she just has a positive in her room. What? We debated whether the right thing was to do to report the exposure to Royal Caribbean. Uh, we ended up deciding that she was masked and we should move forward. Hard decision for us because we care about making good, wise, and considerate choices. Then... We were clearly exposed that often on board that cruise, but gratefully did not contract COVID-19. Additionally, interesting, there were nearly 100 people who reported testing positive on the Facebook group for the voyage two to three days afterwards. We're still committed to cruising with Royal Caribbean as often as Derek has vacation time available. We're also uh, still shocked and irritated at the inconsistency between how cruises and airlines are overseen by the CDC, but it's a waste of mental energy. Finally, I want to say I appreciate your moderation of the comments that ensued after your post on the blog. Thanks for identifying boundaries there and enforcing them makes your blog a safe place to learn and a safe link to share with others. Linda, thanks for the email there. And I think I agree with a lot of what you said there. Uh, you know, the, the person who tested positive and then went down to a public area, like at a buffet, like, boy, that's a microcosm of a bigger problem in society, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, in terms of the people who test positive after the cruise, don't forget, listen, it is a anecdotal data point, but when you test positive after the cruise, especially people who fly, there's absolutely no data that you got it on the cruise. You could have easily caught it anywhere else outside. It's more likely you caught it anywhere else outside, like at the airport, 
uh, on an airplane, at the store, at McDonald's. I mean, it, it, there's just so many possibilities there. And unfortunately, that's what makes COVID so frustrating is that it's not like a one-to-one. And the fact that you were exposed and didn't get test positive is that, I mean, when I had COVID on serenade of the seas, my wife was next to me a lot of times. We were very, you know, she was definitely exposed number, number of times and didn't test positive at all. And then when she ended up contracting COVID later on, on a different sailing, you know, my kids were had, you know, were exposed and they didn't test positive. And I, I well, I had just been you know, getting over it. So I think that's probably part of the reason, but it's a strange animal, if you will, um, this whole COVID thing, but um, it, it is a little weird on that. And, and I guess the, uh, first of all, thank you for the kind words. I'm glad you, you enjoyed, uh, the content there. I mean, at the end of the day, I think the, the best thing for me when I had COVID on a ship was that I was aware of what to expect. And I feel like the most common thread among people who are frustrated with the response to testing positive on a cruise ship is that they're unaware of what to expect and thus they end up being a little annoyed at maybe the lack of communication like you know from when i tested positive in the morning of the of, the, of that first day to four or five o'clock in the afternoon that same day you know a lot had transpired and we kind of had everything in line by about four or five o'clock that afternoon but you know that's a long time i tested positive around you know let's call it seven or eight a.m you know that's eight ten hours something like that and you know, that's a long time to wait, but I knew what to expect. So when the phone rang, you know, two, three hours later, after every time we last talked, I kind of was like, okay, this is this step. Okay. 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 Like I knew it helped make the transition easier. Cause I kind of had a ballpark idea of their game plan, as opposed to if you're sitting in the room and have no idea what to expect, I feel like that could be a little more troubling if you will. So Linda, thanks for the email. Appreciate that. And uh, we have time for one more email today. And that is me coming to us from uh, Kim Rowe of Claremont, Florida. Hi, Matt. My husband and I are going on a cruise in September on Mariner of the Seas with our adult children. We have three rooms reserved and our reservations are linked in the app. Will I be able to check in all of us in the app or will we have to get checking themselves? I have pictures of them and their passports. I'd like for all of us to have an early arrival time since we'll be arriving to the port together. Kim, thanks for the email. So when it comes to the check-in process, you know, linked reservations, I've had linked reservations. I can't see other people's reservations. Um, I have had, like, as an example, Kim, uh, situations where my kids are in a separate room and I can see their reservation, but I don't think that a linked reservation is necessarily the same thing. I, I guess here's the answer to your question, Kim. If you log into the cruise planner website, if you just like, you know, go to the royalcaribbean.com, log in. If you see your friend's reservation to manage, then yes, you can. If not, then no, you can't. You'll have to either one of two things. One, they'll have to do it themselves or two. I mean, they could share their login information with you and you could log in for them and do it that way. I generally am not an advocate of people sharing their login information with anybody. I think that's, that's, that's nothing to do with Royal Caribbean or anything like that. That's just a, I think that's a good IT policy not to do that. But hey, if they're your friends and you trust them, you know, all that stuff, I'm sure it's fine. Actually, I, these are your children. So I didn't, I thought these were, I misread the thing about the friends. So, you know, it, again, if it's in your reservation, you're good to go. Otherwise you'll need their login information in order to access that. And since they are your kids, I think you can trust them. I think that's okay. I think it's different if you're getting, you know, your friend's um, login information there. So probably fine on that. So Kim, thanks for the email. Thanks to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Green Blog Podcast. If I can answer your emails, please send me an email to Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.